Black, Black Widow. That was the whole Black yeah, Widow. No, 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 She's I'm not the just, one that gets him dude, dude, dude. to come back. I still think... After two years, I man. still think that... The sun's getting really low. God damn it. Um, Somebody I, thought they were really smart when they wrote that. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. I guess that was play up. for come on. First you're like, holding a beer, now you're holding your fucking penis in your hands. <laughs> it was actually supposed to take place on Earth, mm-hmm. I think, originally. Yeah. And no, it was supposed to take place in New York yeah. specifically. Which and it happens they, to be on Earth. And I was trying to be more more <laughs> exact, you know. That's fine. Like it, and instead they did it in Norway. Which so, is fine. Yeah. Which is also on Earth. He's such a jubilant and such a such, such a such a happy person all the time. So when you see him like like <laughs> like mildly a mild I you're gonna say he's such a jubilant. Yeah, he, wow, you okay. emphasize the wow. Jew part. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Marvel film, which is Thor Ragnarok, starring Chris Hemsworth. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, and welcome into episode 133 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney. Hey! And Toussaint Egan. Hi, how's it going? It's going going well. Awesome. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing Thor, great. Ragnarok, Rock, Rhymer, Rhymer, Rock is Loki. It's Loki. Was that in the film? No, no that was I don't, that was I don't his. Recall that. that it should have been. Cheney. That was Nick Cheney. Yeah, that was a Nick Cheney original. Yeah, it actually feels like it would have fit in this one. So yeah. it was a little goofy, wasn't it? It's an extremely goofy movie, <laughs> but not <laughs> to be confused with other very silly movies. Yes, yes. I wasn't going to go anywhere specific with that. Okay. No. <laughs> Not an animated movie about a dog. About an anthropomorphic dog who has a son, and they go on a road trip, and sometimes they go to college. That, and then that they, would be and then, so, and then they skateboard. So here's the thing. Yeah, what is it? So Goofy and Max, I don't think he's his son. Why? Because I think it's explicitly said that Max is actually his I, like nephew or something like that. Are you sure about that? No, no I, it's I, father and son. I yeah, it's, it's supposed to, like he says like I'm I'm your dad. Mm. Like I'm your dad. Like do you oh, think do you I think guess that you're embarrassed by your old dad? Exactly. Do you think that he might be adopted? Like they no, never I, they never I, explain. I, did like, Goofy fuck around? <laughs> I'm sure he did. What about his his friend? Um, uh, yeah, the whole thing is that he felt insecure as a father because oh. he couldn't live. Up to the the shadow of uh, Mickey Mouse, Max's friend, and his father, who was able to afford a much nicer camper. Yeah, and what's up with, with <laughs> no, that, their? No, but that's that's actually exactly what, what happened. That's exactly what happened. It was like, does his friend <laughs> much simpler? Does time. his friend have a mother? Like, I don't know if there's like this is an entire world well, where matriarchal figures yeah. do not exist. No, and I think that's what they no, were going was, uh, for. It was the Midichlorians that this is made no, 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 no. Up, dude. Hold on, no, no, but I <laughs> we're think, gonna get back to that when when we do that episode. Anyway, I think uh, in this universe. Uh, 
we are living in a post no, post don't do that. Mad Max world where <laughs> um, the men won and, <laughs> and then they turned into <laughs> dogs. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? It's we a, are not Pinocchio. Shit right we there. are not talking about. A goofy movie or extremely goofy movie. We've been talking about it for the last five. Minutes, We're not talking so. about that. This I'm episode, trying this, to turn this episode into a goofy movie. That's episode. not what this episode is about. Alex, please tell us what we're talking about this week. So I today, guess that's a real Thor subject for you. <laughs> oh, why do you do this? Don't you don't have to ask that. Well, you should know by now. Come I do. On. We're yeah. 133 in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Thor Ragnarok oh, is the film we're talking I didn't about. Even realize. Yeah. When I made that joke. It's weird how that works out. That is. Um, so this film uh, centers around uh, the almighty Thor as he finds himself in a lethal. Lethal, lethal, lethal gladiatorial match. <laughs> a lethal, lethal battle against the Hulk, his former ally. Oh. What a description! Yeah, That's that it? accounts for like ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that. Okay. Um, okay. So um. this film is directed by Taika Waititi, uh, who previously uh, has done some more independent work uh, in the past. What we do in the shadows, and also did uh, what we do in the shadows, as well as Hunt for the Wilder People. <laughs> yes. So those are somewhat recent, yeah, uh, yeah. as in the last both few years. Very good movies. Yeah, I recommend them both. Yeah, there I you liked go. what we do in the shadows. I didn't think that it blew me away, but I feel like I really have to like return to that. It's after, got a after lot this. of jokes. It does. Yeah. Are you looking forward to Werewolves? Actually, I am. Yeah, I, I'm interested to at least check it out. That was one of the highlights of that film. It was. Speaking yep. of of that, uh, and. Uh, what we do in the shadows, Nick? Can you refresh my memory about the silly pun? The that joke, you were, yeah. yeah. Telling me my about favorite him. joke from what we do in the shadows, yeah. and I'm sure a lot of people's is when the uh, the boys or the vampires are oh, out, yeah. are out in the town and they run into what is <laughs> clearly the werewolf gang yeah. who are in human form at this time, mm-hmm. and they hate each other for very inexplicable reasons, just because they have to, whatever. But then when one of the werewolf guys. Uh, just says, swears at him. All of a sudden, the head werewolf goes, "Hey, hey, who are we? We're werewolves. werewolves. Yeah, what are we not? Swearwolves." <laughs> and yep, just wonderful. Yeah, that was awesome. That's like right up Nick Chain's oh, yeah. alley. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So this film uh, has quite a few characters you have seen before and you haven't seen before, and probably won't are you see some before of them again. or before. God. No, I just like yes, I pronounced it incorrectly. It is Bathor. No, you did it just fine, Alex. Did I? Yes, you did. How many Babadooks is this one? Stop. Just kidding. Bathor. <laughs> so Chris Hemsworth returns as Thor in his sixth appearance sure. in the MCU. Wow. Sure, why not? That sounds right. Fuck it. it it'll there. it'll be correct at some point. If not yeah, now, then later. Yeah. Two. Three, three Thors, two no, three, Avengers. Three, three Thors. This is the third Thor. Right. Well, yeah, I was going before this movie. Like, yeah. this is, I'm saying this is his sixth. Three, Thor, Thors, three, three, three Thors. Three Thors. Three Thors. Three Thors. Two Avengers. Two Avengers. And a Captain America. No, he didn't show up in that, so I think it's the way back. No, he shows up in the post credit scene well, in Doctor Strange. I, I guess it counts. Whatever. Okay. At any rate. Uh, this is his fifth or sixth appearance, if you want to count post credit scenes, <laughs> yeah. in this fucking horrible world we live in, uh, that Chris Hemsworth makes an appearance as Thor. Uh, we also have Tom Hiddleston returning as Loki. Uh, of course. And Mark Ruffalo returning as Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen you for a while. Yeah, we got some new characters, including uh, Hela, 
who's revealed to be uh, Thor and Loki's sister yeah. early on in the film, uh, played by Kate Blanchett. Jeez. Also, too, we have Jeff Goldblum, Carl Urban, Tessa Thompson. Yeah, Carl Urban. Tessa um, Thompson. And uh, also Clancy Brown making appearances here. And we have some favorite characters uh, other than Jamie Alexander from uh, the uh, old Thor films returning, including Idris Elba and Anthony Hopkins. But yep. no, uh, the females really got... Benedict Cumberbatch also made a... Yeah, we're going to get to that. Uh, um, so all of the females pretty much from the previous Thor films were excluded here mm-hmm. as uh, we have no Jamie Alexander, Natalie Portman, or Kat Dennings. Um, and we just focus on the guys in this one because why not? We could talk about that. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Sounds like you guys really want to talk about things about this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, it's we good because we're doing an episode on, on Thor Ragnarok. <gasps> yeah. Which, by the way... Uh, There's the, these microphones that are in front of us. Why don't you just talk about it, guys? Thank you. Uh, someone who said many times, uh, I'm not into actual comic books. I've read very few of them, especially the Marvel ones. Mm-hmm. Very few. Uh, but I do know that the Ragnarok storyline has nothing to do with the actual story that happens in this film. Yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah. So they just chose a cool name and went, went for well, it. Yeah. I guess they did like a, like a quasi like borrowing of things from like old Thor comics from uh, the Planet Hulk um, comic series that they had. Comic event, I guess. Guess it was, and just basically a little bit of smatterings of, but um, mythological like Norse stuff, you know, like as they are wont to do. It's it's, but it's mythology. It's it's that's fiction. true. But whereas the last major Marvel film, because I'm not going to count Spider Man, are you talking about Stranger. Civil War? Yeah, Civil War. You know, actually, really encompassed some of the themes where Ragnarok completely disregards the actual storyline involves Ragnarok. I would have to contest that. I think okay. that Civil War is in the similar vein of what you're talking about with this because Civil War was a larger spanning um, like universe-wide Marvel event. Like Spider-Man was actually a principal character in Civil War and was actually being volleyed between like the sides of like Tony Stark and um, Captain America. And in this, they really kind of like in that film, they part it down in order to sort of serve as a as a as a story beat for like the the, the gradually fracturing relationship between um, Steve and with Stark. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of shots that are meant to mirror like iconic scenes from that event. And Civil War is t- typically looked at at least right now is like favorably as like one of the the bigger like better like Marvel events. And I think that they just basically borrow piecemeal from that in order mm-hmm. to fit into the mold of what they needed for the time. The same as for Ragnarok in this instance. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. I, th- and I, I will say that, that Civil War is closer to its source material in name than Thor Ragnarok is to the yeah. aforementioned thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, since you gave us that nice history lesson there, yeah. um, why don't you start us off, Toussaint? I oh, know yeah. you were actually the first one of us to see this, which is surprising because I'm like the biggest superhero person here, but yeah. you went to see this and, um, you definitely had thoughts about it, uh, that you posted on the internets. So I did. Yeah. I let, think, let's hear about them. I think that well, one, I wasn't particularly like looking forward to this film. Like I would seen the trailer for it and I was like, Oh, this looks really interesting. And I knew, um, Taika stuff from, we were what, what we do in the shadows. And I enjoyed that movie enough. And I thought, you know, maybe it would be interesting to have a more comical, Thor film. Maybe it'd be interesting to like inject some personality into that. And I know that you you like 
had a contention with that because you said that there was sort of like personality in the first Thor film and in Thor The Dark World. If no, not I like said the, specifically in Thor The Dark World. In, there in was. Thor The Dark World, yeah. But I just – those two films to me just feel so indicative of the first phase of the Marvel Universe where they were just sort of working across the formula of this fish out of water who is who, – who really just draws attention to himself and has personality simply for the fact that he – He's from a mythological world that is unlike ours, and like now he has to deal with the banality and the mundanity of our like earthly existence. Like, ooh, it's like I just, I, 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 I've just never really been a fan of the Thor like cinematic incarnations, and I, I'm not even like all that big on the the comic incarnations either. It's like he's just sort of like a, he's there, he's cool, he's got cool powers, like, but it's just like I, I don't. I'm I'm really here for Idris Elba as Heimdall, really. Like he's he's really what draws me to that entire series. But this one is one I really enjoyed Thor as a character, just because I felt like he had humor about him. He 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 was more. I guess he was more obvious as a character of of just like winking to the audience, and and that's more like comes through with the writing of of Taika, like and and the directing of of Taika in this role. I like him, and I like Hela. As a as a villain, I think that Hela, um, Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy two, and the Vulture from the new like Spider Man film, I feel like those are those are the level of villains that I would like to see more of in Marvel films going forward because I actually remember those. Mm-hmm. I actually remember what their personalities were like, and they're actually played by like actors that I felt like brought the the most like they brought themselves through in those roles not trying to embody just like the character but they were just it, it, it was it was um it was what's her name Kate Blanchett yeah Kate Blanchett yeah Kate Blanchett just like that's Kate Blanchett playing Hella and watching her in that role is like seeing her like fight with the the choreography and stuff I thought that was really cool I liked her costume and shit I wish that she I wish that we had a Maleficent movie where she was the one playing Maleficent because that's the version of Maleficent that I think of when I see that. I don't think of Angelina Jolie's whatever that was. Um, yeah, I like the, the art design. I like the music. I like the humor, and I like the major set pieces. I would say that overall it's still sort of in this mold of – there's two modes for a Marvel film right now, right? There's the serious tone that's more like the mainline stuff like Avengers, and then there's sort of this like pat quirkiness that has become like another sort of avenue for Marvel Isn't that in, amazing, the, in the wake of Guardians of the Galaxy. Isn't that amazing though because they fired Edgar Wright? That is so fucking weird. That is no, but it's like it's not. It's quirky, but it's not the quirky that we're looking for. Wow. We're looking for for tie dye colors, and we're looking for retro music. That's what we're looking for. Like that's what they think of as quirky, and I, you know, it works in the case of Guardians of the Galaxy because it just one those characters did not exist anywhere within the sphere of, of of mainstream popular culture before that. And so most people who are coming to Guardians of the Galaxy, they had never known what those characters were, and they were able to build that universe and build that sort of like vibe about them without having to refer to the original like source material that much. And it's like, oh, and it's, it's not like how it is in the comics. Like, no, most most people that I know have have either never read a Guardians of the Galaxy comic before, including myself, or after. They know Guardians of the Galaxy through the movie incarnations. Versus with 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 Thor, is like Thor already has like sort of this 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 precedent with the other two movies, and I feel like it's sort of like it's sort of a course correction to sort of try to like give it an identity. 
but it just feels like an offshoot of Guardians of the Galaxy. So when I say that I like all these things in this film, I do like them, but I just feel like I've already seen – this is just a variation on a main mainline thing that I've already seen in Guardians of the Galaxy that I enjoyed more in the context of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But that's my initial thoughts. Let's I got you. Let's bounce it around. Yeah, so um... – I was very much looking forward to this. I thought the original trailers for this were great. Um, I think the poster from this, the one where they're pretty much like all in a, in a row, is actually fantastic. Yeah. It's one of the better superhero posters I can recall, uh, especially if you put it up next to the uh, Justice League trailer where it looks like they're all stuffed in an elevator together. It's, yeah. It's uh, it's nice. I will say that I'm not really a fan of the, the Black Panther um the Black Panther poster that's sort of like in that vein of the Thor one because I just feel like it's way too busy. Like, yeah. Not not to dump on DC. It was like I'm saying that like there there's equal Black Panthers and Marvel, buddy. I know that Marvel. I know, but we're you're oh, talking you're, about the oh, Justice League poster. The Justice League exactly. Poster. Yeah, like they're you. both equal offenders in 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 bad um, poster design. So I was excited for this. Right. Um, and here's the thing: I still very much enjoyed this, right. but. Um, the problem is, is like the Marvel fatigue that you guys caught up on like three and a half years ago. Oh shit, yeah, is starting to really get to me because mm-hmm. even though I still thought this was very enjoyable uh, and a very passable superhero film, um, I felt like even though it all had a different package around it, it was the same present inside. Um, you know, you're you're seeing a very basic run-of-the-mill superhero story that thinks it's doing these great things that are well everyone says that nothing actually of value happens in these films but look we destroyed asgard it's like eh. all right all right um well, look look uh, to defend hmm? a movie that i'm not probably going to really right. defend asgard is a people not a place well, on, that's fine asgard <laughs> the hammer and an eye like that's more hmm? emotional resonance than a lot of these movies. That's true. That's a lot more lost than we've seen in any... that's one movie and one character. Let's talk about the eye music, um, eye makeup later. Yeah. Uh, And that being said, that's why I'm kind of not on the fence about this because I still enjoyed this film. too little too late type thing. Yeah. Um, I was very upset when Thor's hammer got destroyed and wasn't resurrected because I really do enjoy... Thor and his hammer. He'll so probably get it back. Or I'm, I'm thinking yeah. so at some point, but yeah. it's still, I was like, oh, because I actually thought that that was how Doctor Strange was going to relate into this, that he was going to like go back in time and undo events from this film and whatever, but, but that, that... would be too clever. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But yeah, we, we didn't have that. Instead, we had this just absolutely terrible scene involving him, uh, which actually had some funny moments in it, but seemed so out of place uh, that it was like, we've got to get Doctor Strange in here somehow. Why does Doctor Strange know where his dad is? <laughs> no, like, I'm just generally asking. Because it. he's the Sorcerer Supreme and he's been keeping an eye on most multidimensional entities that have been passing through So Earth he's like for the Professor past. X? Well, no, he's not like Professor no, X. No, that's he's what the, I think. He's, he's, the, like... he's, the, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Oh, he's on a cliff. Hold on, I'll study there. No, he just... How come he can see where he is but Heimdall can't? Wait, is Heimdall even a like Heimdall was exile, wasn't he? He was still there. He wasn't in in contact though with Heimdall at that point in the movie. Oh, though. but he can be. Is no, is no, they, because they, they they did that. Remember, remember, he gets his eyes and he can yeah. see everything he sees. Come on, man. Wait, did that happen yeah. before or after 
Like he went to Doctor Strange. It was after after he went to go see Doctor Strange, though. But apparently, it's a capability. So yeah, it's a capability. But like the character was not introduced at that point, and that ability was not solicited at that point. He didn't. He didn't know where Heimdall was. Like Heimdall was hiding in the fucking forest or something. He didn't know where he was when he connected with. I will say I'm with Alec just in one thing, which is the way that that is introduced. Is Thor's like, oh hey, I need to ask Heimdall something. Hold (laughs) on, and then he's like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, oh. There are those eyes. Like, like that's literally the okay. extent of which this, no, it's... this was introduced okay. and then explained. Maybe it's because he had the sword. Maybe, no. the, maybe the sword is the thing that enables him to be able to, like, why? I, I, I can't. That seemed just like a they had no other options, so they just went with that. I guess. I guess that's sort of like, oh, the script is sort of showing. But, like, yeah. I, I didn't mind the introduction of Doctor Strange in that role because okay. I feel like that is – what he's supposed to do. He's sort of like that, that person that's supposed to like keep track of everything. I gotcha. And, I, and it was kind of cool to then finally why see. why does he keep messing everything up with the inconsistency <laughs> of the... What are you talking... What? Well, because you keep track of everything. The, the irony of that statement is that like apparently a meeting with Doctor Strange is extremely disorienting. What? Because he keeps moving throughout right. the room. Like he will not literally let any... Thing in time and space stay still like mm. he, and he's doing it apparently just to be a dick right yeah i don't know what that was about i guess and that I'm was like, play oh, for come on first you're like, holding a beer now you're holding your fucking penis in your hands <laughs> i don't remember that scene in the movie <laughs> but uh yeah I'll, I'll take your word on that but i yeah i, I, I can't ex- transform the post credit scene are getting out of control yeah i i didn't mind dr strange's like i didn't mind intro- either yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah I just felt like it was completely. I mean, I agree. Before and after, forced. like they they did not really, in my opinion, mm. do much work to like insert it into the script. But okay. the I moment mean, they, he, they already, already showed up, they like, already filmed the the post credit scene that right. they were supposed to show it up for. So I think that they are working it backwards. And the scene where um, Hela uh, destroys Thor's hammer, I know that it was actually supposed to take place on. Earth, I think, originally. Yeah. And no, it was supposed to take place in New York yeah. specifically. Which and happens the, to be on Earth. And I was trying to be more more exact, you know. <laughs> That's fine. Like it, and instead they did it in Norway. Which so, is fine. Yeah. Which is also on Earth. Yeah, I know it's on Earth. Thanks. <laughs> Great. I was trying to be specific. Thanks. It's okay. okay, cool. Okay. So all that being said, I still thought this was an extremely enjoyable film yeah. that I would watch any day of the week. Um every time um that Loki is in one of these films. It's just pretty much fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I was not in the Loki is a great character camp for probably the first three times he was in these films, but it was really Thor of the Dark World that brought me around, and I'm way on board with it now. If I could be totally honest, mm-hmm. I'm just so sick of Loki's shit. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick of this character because it's going to keep on bouncing back to the same, okay, he's the god of mischief. Is he going to be... Uh, is he going to be a hero? Is he going to be anti-hero in this situation? Or is he just going to be a fucking dick? Anti-hero dick. Anti-hero dick. Whoa, I mean, you never know what he's going to be about. He's going to be anti-hero. It's going to be a dick. I was like, it does. I don't. I don't. I know yeah. what mode you mm-hmm. exist in, dude. I don't care. I mean, that post credit scene sets it up like he's going to be an Avenger. Uh, uh, whatever. Yep. Whatever. Um... Until until Thanos gives him power, and then he's like, oh, Ooh, yeah, I know, anti-hero or dick. Oh. And they pretty much just sidestep Thanos and let Loki be the main villain. Yeah, there oh, you go. Great. Um, but yeah, 
the problem is, is for me, is that there's not too many specific things that I liked in this so much that it makes this stand out against other MCU films that I also like. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed this very easily. There was a lot to see and like here. Um, a lot of things that I, I really enjoy in superhero films were in this film. Um, so I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, there's nothing here that sets this apart from like, I felt like civil war did enough to warrant the excitement that I had going into it where this was just a little bit under that level. Mm. Um, and I will say I've seen um, a couple people write pieces on this and I am in 100% agreement that Marvel uh, really dropped the ball here because maybe they wouldn't have been able to keep it together. But if they had just had this be a straight Thor film and had kept the Hulk being the other gladiator as a, a secret leading up to it, it would have been fucking awesome. Yeah, but see, see here's the thing. When, when you say that, I've actually read that same take from, from AV Club. I saw mm -hmm. that like when, when it was posted there, and I, and, you know, I, I can sort of make a – I can sort of see where that argument is coming from, but I – that encounter was already like telegraphed and announced through concert art at Comic Con, like a couple of years. Like when, I know. This, when this film when, when this film was going in production, mm -hmm. it was one of the principal core scenes of like the first trailer when we when when this first came out. It was even the fucking summary for IMDb. Yeah. Like they know that that is the main attraction that that. That that's this that's what they decided to put at the centerpiece of this, and that's what drew people to actually go see the film. I wanted to go see the film partially because I wanted to see Thor fight the Hulk, and I do agree with you that it would have been cool if they could have like something else, like they just like focused on Hela and Thor as the as the core thing. But I don't feel like that would have moved as many like people who are already fans of yeah. the Avengers into there. I suppose. I, I just think it would have been a fantastic reveal right, if you yeah. were able to keep it a secret. But yeah. I don't trust Marvel that they would have been able to. So maybe they thought the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and then one other thing uh, that I'll mention before I let Nick get to his thoughts. And it's actually uh, something that me and him talked about uh, after this film. Is that um, I'm actually in disagreement where I was actually kind of disappointed with uh, Hela. Uh, I thought <laughs> that Kate Blanchett gave a very strong performance as yeah. a villain. And I thought that she would have been a perfectly acceptable villain if we had spent more time with that part of the story. Because we spent so much time um, in the Grand Master's world with Thor escaping. They never explain how Hulk ends up flying out of Earth into this planet, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we have so little time with Kate Blanchett, and the time we do have with her is her doing these you know, dictator type things like yeah. slaughtering soldiers and finding her old wolf with green eyes and that shit. So, Sashaying down a, uh, a walkway constantly, yeah. perpetually. I mean, I mean, there's just there's just not enough meat on the bone there to really warrant her being a true great villain in the MCU, which is too bad because like you were saying, Tucson, I think Kate Blanchett gives this character that deserved uh, a, probably more. Uh, she gives it a really good performance, but... There just wasn't enough there for me to actually really get into the villain in this film. I mean, I, I see. As a native-born Californian would say, she was hella average. <laughs> I, I see where you're coming from, and I can you. I can sort of agree like with, with that with that train of thought. But I don't think that it's I, I don't think like that problem is is indicative of 
Hella. I think that's more indicative of the structure of the film itself. And I feel like the film itself is actually very, very brisk. Like the, the space of time between when Thor is like locked up by that one like fire demon who ends up becoming like the, the big fixture of, 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 of Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. The space of time between that and the space of time between uh, him seeing his father – in Norway, just felt very, very brisk. It just like went from scene to scene to scene to scene. Like they just like were getting exposition out of the way, and then they introduce her by by what? By her coming through like a fucking portal. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck were you? I don't. I don't know. We, we you don't. He need... was being held. She was being held back by uh, Odin. Held back where? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they don't explain it. They don't give a fuck about about explaining it. It's like no. they're just like it's all about just like. Putting these characters like on the board—that's half the reason why I think that Doctor Strange was in this film. It was just a pretense in order to put these characters on the board, yeah. and then just like, and and then after that encounter in Norway, when he just like flies out of the 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 Bifrost, like that's where I think the film actually starts, and that's why it takes place so much on the Grandmaster's planet. Yeah, and I could see all of that, yeah. but I, for me, I just um, I'm I have to be with Nick here, who had brought that up when we were talking about it. Yeah. That, that's what I thought. Also, uh, last thing, uh, the opening scene on Asgard uh, with uh, Loki <laughs> yeah. as Odin, and then the scene with Matt Damon and uh, Chris Hemsworth's other brother, who's not the the one from Luke. the Hunger Games, um, and also Sam Neill. Was yeah, there. that yeah. was amazing because he was the uh, he Odin. was hunt yeah. for the wilder people. Yeah, so he... yeah. and um, the reaction that Loki has. Uh, as being played by Anthony Hopkins uh, when he sees Thor show up and he goes, oh shit. There's just something about it that just made me crack the fuck up. I didn't do it for him. I thought that was funny too, yeah. (laughs) And I thought it was awesome that he had the hammer flying towards him because Mm -hmm. that made so much sense because Odin would have been able to stop it, but he can't. Because he's not worthy. Moving on to Nick. You love superhero movies. I do. You love them. Uh, I thought this was like low-key decent, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Um, yeah, fatigue is definitely settling in a mess for someone who don't really care for these to begin with. So, like, if this movie had come out three years ago, I would like it a lot more because I do agree that it's funny and that it does have a pacing that makes it quite enjoyable to go through, which a lot of these Marvel movies, like, don't always nail. Um but at the end of the day, I felt like all the good things I liked about it, I can get from every other movie that's ever been made. Not literally, Oof. but Oof. like any good movie, like it's like, yeah, this movie's got jokes, but I can okay. get jokes from another movie. And this movie had okay fight choreography, but I can get that from another movie. And you don't think that this was some of the best fight choreography in the Marvel? Universe yeah, but up to that's this like point? saying this Ooh, is like on one of the smartest. It doesn't have to be the raid, dude. The no, it doesn't have to be the raid, but um, it still has to be something. I yeah. mean, this, it, it's well shot in the sense that uh, Taika certainly allows these fight scenes to be fluid, where you, you're not cutting it, and you get to actually see the extent of the actions being taken place. But I wouldn't say it was particularly inspired. Um, mm. Well, the, the only thing I'll say about the fight choreography is I thought it was perfectly acceptable, yeah. and I'm very pleased that Marvel seems to finally have gotten away from the high-speed, high-cut uh fight choreography where it slows down and then speeds up yeah i mean we saw it we saw it in the winter soldier and then we saw it ratcheted up to 11 uh in 
in Civil War, and it was pretty much just nauseating by the third time it was in the scene. It was like, we don't need this. No, no. I mean, it says a lot that this was the, one of the first movie Marvel movies in a while where I just didn't really think about the fight choreography, yeah. and that's about the best I could say about that. Um, I thought Kate Blanchett was definitely good as Hella, but um, I felt like there were two movies here because I thought... You have the Grandmaster's planet, Junkyard, Apocalypse, whatever. Um, and a lot of that was entertaining, but we can't live in it because we have to go back to the actual emotional stakes of the movie, which is given the short shrift. So, like, I I just felt like uh, the Hella storyline is a, extremely interesting because the whole idea of the Thor emotional resonance uh throughout these movies had been the sibling relationship and the fact that we don't really get much between thor and loki regarding how they feel about having another sibling that odin never told them about you know like there's actually a lot to mine there i think how about how about how it was uh literally covered up by odin as he had the yeah. cover up on, on right. the ceiling and, which I, was, and I liked yeah. what I like some of Hella's line, uh, lines uh, uh, when she was commentating on, you know, this sordid history or whatever. But um, at the end of the day, after we go through the little that we do have, we're still relegated to a big boss battle and not to something that's actually kind of... How many times also do we have to have a large aircraft carrier coming to grab a group of people away? Because hey this this is feel it's getting close to going back to the well territory. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I mean, overall, I definitely thought when it was funny, it was funny, and I thought when it was colorful, it was colorful. That describes Guardians of the Galaxy too for me. So like that's what I mean by it doesn't matter how good this is. Waititi is still making a Marvel movie, and he's making one that I think has already been made before. Literally, if you look at the strong points of this movie, uh, the humor, Guardians did. Yes. The color, Guardians did. Yes, yes. And the idea of a long-lost relative coming back to haunt our main character, Guardians just did. So. You know, I don't know what Taiki Watiti could have really done with this particular vehicle. He did his best, and it, he made it watchable. But I can't say I'll ever feel the need to watch it again. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, I I feel like pretty much everything you're saying is is for the most part valid. Um, I just usually love superhero films, especially right, like if I this... love these movies. Yeah. I would be like, yep, another another solid. And I mean that like in a good way. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean the you know. Marvel's had <clears throat> however many films they've had 18 now or whatever it is. It's way too many. Um, but out of those, for me personally, there's only been like three or four like that I would consider. Um, you know, most of them have at least been decent, if not, I thought, great. Um, and, and this falls kind of in, in the middle there, the middle ground, because I watch this any time more than Ant-Man or Doctor Strange or the new Spider-Man. But at the same time, I'm never going to like this more than Iron Man 3 or the original Avengers or anything like that. So it's it's kind of hard because, you know, we already talked about fatigue a couple times on this exact episode. At the same time, though, you know, this just does fall somewhere in the middle. And, and that's the problem when you have so many fucking films in your cinematic universe is that you're not going to hit that high point very often. And if you do, it's going to be like once in a blue moon. And when you have 
at least two, if not three films in your MCU coming out every single year, there's a good chance that it's just going to be up another one. Here we go. Okay. So one thing I got to say against this movie is that putting the individual entry aspect of it uh, in and of itself, I thought this was a horrible conclusion to a trilogy. Like nothing in this movie seems at all organically uh, set up by the previous two Thor movies. So it's almost as if they're just winging it. Yeah. And I would say, so there is no catharsis in the idea that this is Thor's final film in the trilogy. You know what I mean? Um, Like, and I know I'm going back to that. Well, but I will say you look at the guardians movies and technically those do shake hands with each other. Um, the whole first movie is about Peter reconciling with his mother. The whole second movie is about Peter reconciling with his father. And all the references to Mondu uh, is very... Yondu? Yondu. Yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, Yondu. I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Is actually very blatant in the first movie so that when that is set... So, so far, that track record, two out of three, like, I'm excited to see what they'll do for a concluding because it's one of the only trilogies that I think has the balls to try to make a coherent story from one to another and not get too bogged down by feeling more pressure to connect to the Avengers than it does to its own mythology. I think I, I agree with you on that part and I think that the reason why there is a cohesion there's a cohesion within the the Guardians of the Galaxy track versus the Thor track is obviously because three different directors three different directors yeah. and like three different writers in, yeah. in in that regard um whereas you have like James Gunn who has his own he, he's basically sequestered off his own little niche of of the Marvel universe where these characters do not have to they have not yet crossed paths with the principal core characters and so they're able to have their own personalities and their own chemistry meanwhile they do have elements that are central to their more cosmic, more more larger spanning universe that do have a mainline tie to that main universe. The, the characters don't have to do the work. Thor has already Thor is already a principal character of uh, uh, of the the the, right. Aven- the Avengers. Like his 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 um his character development across all these movies is dispersed between not only his films but also the Avengers films as yeah. well, and also his cameos and other shit like that. Um. Versus, like, in Guardians, it's more of, like, compact and it's it's meaningful in that sort of context. True. Well, so there are a couple things to think about this being kind of a dis- – not disappointing, but it being a little bit of a letdown as a conclusion of a trilogy. Because, first of all, this is this film is pretty much set up to fail on that level because while it's supposed to conclude Thor's story, A, you're taking away um, – four of the characters actually that have been staples in the first two films in fact main characters so you're sidelining that entire storyline which has been very prevalent is everything with the three female characters i mentioned and eric selvig which you see none of in this film in fact there's one line of dialogue that actually mentions why they're not here and it's kind of like um and it's a marvel joke yeah yeah um you, you have the unfortunate thing is this film is because Marvel has fucked up this Thanos thing so badly the entire time. But he showed up in this one. That's the thing though, that's what I'm saying. That it's but it, did he? it's it's up to this film to set up how we're going to end up at the first Infinity Wars film, which 
it can't do very well because it's given nothing to work with because yeah. the whole Thanos storyline has been fucked up so badly from pretty much Jump Street that it's left in this weird spot where it's got to conclude a story and at the same time build up to the next story that we're going to see. So it's 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 pretty much in an unwinnable game at yeah. that point. So um, let's talk a little bit about the relationship between Thor and Hulk and Thor and Bruce Banner here. Um, because I actually thought that the scene that involved them talking for like five minutes got old really fast. And I I know a lot of people actually really like that scene. I, I feel so. I feel like the whole relationship between Thor and Banner and Thor and Hulk, like you know, the same entity, right? Yeah. I I, I thought that was really contrived for the purpose of yeah. this. It, it's it's con- it's obviously contrived for the purpose of creating chemistry within this one singular context because. Th- I cannot remember a single goddamn time where those characters were on yeah. screen together, where they actually had anything resembling this sort of like familiar. No, like the the only character who I feel like actually had like a a real sort of like connection to Banner was Stark. Like that was the whole thing in well, Avengers. That's Black that, Widow. That was the whole, Black yeah, Widow. Uh, no, 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 she's the just, one that gets him. Dude, 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 to come back. I still think after two years. I man. still think that the sun's getting really low. God damn it. Um. Somebody I th- thought they were really smart when they wrote that. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, when they <laughs> when they going mentioned down comes out. Okay, so what I'm saying is that of those of those three relationships we're talking about, Black Widow and 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 Banner, we're talking about Thor and Banner and Stark and Banner. I feel like Stark and Banner on screen had the most like back and forth and the actual like most development. Of course, like they just yeah, yeah they're, they're they're equals. Yeah, they're they're either equals in that sort of way. And Stark, yeah, both white. Stark Stark was able to not help of, him to facilitate shut up movie. damn Stark what? was able to help him facilitate the growth of his powers and the acceptance of his identity as as the Hulk and not just like right. repressing that I feel like that actually had some some heft to it it had some some gravitas to it in the case of Thor and 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 Banner I just it, it, it's nice to see them interact in this way. It's just like there's no precedent to that in any of the other previous inter- which, incarnations. Which is funny um, <clears throat> because you even have him dressing in Tony Stark's clothes throughout this I film. really enjoy that he had that shirt on. That's a really <laughs> cool shirt. And I, I, and I remember who the designer was that shirt was, and I know it's from um, – what band was that? Damn, I can't remember. I really like – 30 Seconds to Mars. The, shut the – I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Why would you remind me of that band? Ah, oh my ah, god! Ah, ah, oh, ah, continue, Alex. I really like, uh, and I thought it was hilarious each time when they kept going back to the well um, about his pants being too tight because that's a that's pretty amazing. Yeah. He's like, God, these are so ridiculous. You see him uh, at multiple times struggling to walk with them, and yeah. and I like that they. It's kept- like the Hulk and Bruce are becoming the same person. I like that they have him wearing that whole outfit the entire time he's Bruce Banner. Like, there's never, like, a, oh, that's lost its luster. Like, no, he's, like, a cartoon character. He has to see, keep wearing that outfit now yep. that he's put it on. So Yeah. I'm with Toussaint when I uh, I say, and I agree, that as someone who barely keeps track of any of this, because I just can't, um, when I was watching the, the, the Hulk and Thor interact, I'm like, how can this be a buddy cop? formula if there is never like this is There's so been no awkward. indication that they were buddies yeah and then and then even the movie tries to poke fun at that when thor will tell whichever one he's 
well, that, but I was going to say when he's talking to either version saying that he's his favorite. Like, mm-hmm. so even, like, Thor is, like, cavalierly acknowledging that, like, he's just being flippant. Right. But then that means you're undermining your own emotional resonance in the right. movie you're watching. Right. Like, sometimes Marvel jokes don't work if they're well, just antithetical to what you're trying mm-hmm. to accomplish. Also, too, he's not really uh, at the beginning in any hurry to save Hulk or Banner. He's really just looking for a way off the right. planet. Right. So that's kind but of, yeah, you know. and yet somehow it's still undeniable that you're supposed to take this Thor-Hulk uh, bromance. As genuine. Yeah, as like, and it's like, yeah, but you know, the Avengers aren't like a family or a... Family. Well, I'm just saying, they don't really go down that route of They like, really haven't had a lot of time together. Yeah. They haven't had a lot of... Yeah. Banquets with all Kors, they do is fight Coors Light, each so. other and yeah. others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm sick of it. I, I, the the scene in the actual stadium did actually look really good. Uh, I actually thought it played out pretty well. Um, I thought it was probably a little bit too long, but it wasn't like overly horribly too long. Mm. I did like the callback to uh, him smashing Loki around that he gets to do that with Thor. Yeah, that's and, how it feels. Uh, yeah. Uh, everything involving Tom Hilston in that scene was absolutely fantastic yeah. as well. Yeah. Because as soon as he sees Hulk, he's like, he's just oh, cringing. Yeah. No. Uh, and I like that Jeff I've Goldblum. Got to get up on this planet. Yeah. I like that Jeff Goldblum is sitting there and not sure what's going on. By the way, how about that Grandmaster character? I don't know how to feel about that. I like the Grandmaster yeah, character a lot. I, I think he's funny. Um, I, like... I like that the Grandmaster is Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Like, it's not. I mean, is there any other way it could to... be? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, there could have at least maybe did like a a Thanos or an Ultron thing where, like, yeah. they, they hired someone who can do something, but then they... He can be menacing and demanding. But, like, stuck him behind yeah. a cardboard cut, like an apocalypse yeah. type thing. But here they're like, no, we want Jeff Goldblum to be the quasi-villain or antagonist. I think um, that, like, I think that Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster is actually a lot scarier then just uh, just just follow me here. It's like he's a lot scarier than what you. than would have been a, a a typical Thanos sort of character in that way, where you could just be very menacing and very demanding. Versus like Jeff Goldblum, he's such a um, he's such a jubilant and such a such, such a such a happy person all the time. So when you see him like like <laughs> like. Mildly, mildly. You're gonna say he's such a Jew. Yeah, he, wow. you emphasized okay. the wow. Jew part, and I was like, "Wow, I wasn't." No, no, no. Damn, it just the okay. way it accidentally phonetically came out. I it didn't... sounded like you had made a new adjective to describe Jews. No, <laughs> wow. Um, Jubilation. Um, it's an actual word. Uh, he's very, he's very jubilant. <laughs> he's very, very there, there uh, a, effusive. There was he, a pause he's... there. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, it's put okay. a pause there. Don't okay. apologize to me. I'm not Jewish. Apologize to our Jewish listeners. What I'm saying know. is that when he seems mildly annoyed, and you've already set the precedent that he's willing to like kill a person by melting them, and I'm just like, you don't really know what this guy is going to do next. Like it's all yeah. for his own entertainment, and he's entertaining himself, and so you just don't ever want to really piss him off. Yeah. No, and uh, I did enjoy the the scene when he's originally talking with him, and I thought all oh, that was pretty much gold. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't know how to feel about the whole character and the scope of it because that's that whole kind of not scene, but that whole moment that it really should have been uh, on that planet goes on for like a good hour. Um, and also, too, um, 
there's a weird reference that uh, time moves at a different speed on that planet, and they never really went anywhere. Yeah, with that, that doesn't that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it was just played for like They're a. They're just beat trying to joke. be scientifically thorough. Yeah, know? like make sure all their bases are covered. Yeah, you got to know. Would have been great if like you got to know what the devil's asshole is. Interstellar the That's shit what out I was of thinking. it. Yeah, and like when they got back, like no, Asgard is dead. Well, Asgard is not people. Oh, it is people. Shit. The real it's hammer dead. is love. Love is an infinite power. Well, source. Been great, and maybe this still could happen. Probably not. If they hadn't made it, <laughs> no. I was gonna say if they show up at the end, and it's actually um, the events after uh, the first Infinity. <coughs> Whoa, sorry about oh, that. Oh, and you get to see like a a peek at to like the outcome of the fallout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been. Kinda I mean, that would have been. I mean, and you can't have them in the first. <laughs> I one, missed but... the Infinity Wars. <laughs> No, but, like, you see... What did you call it? I don't know. It's in the script. Like, if you, like, saw that, like, and, like, people were being held prisoner or something, and Vision has Thor's hammer, like, would have been a cool... That is a Ronald D. Moore move, where one of the most audacious moments in television is when the uh, second season finale of Battlestar Galactica, so spoilers for a decade-old show, uh, showed basically the characters achieving their goal, which is to find a habitable planet. And they're so excited. And this is how the second season is winding down. Like it's the final episode. And then all of a sudden it skips five years of the future and they're being held in basically concentration camps by the robots who just uprise like in that timeline. And it's actually brilliant and bold because then they have to deal with that. But hmm. yeah, if they would have done something like starkly, uh, just, <sighs> Go on. <laughs> starkly. Starkly. Uh, but no, if they would have done something starkly cynical and like a yeah, like a crazy time jump, like man, like let's have some fun with these goddamn movies. You're gonna make a million of them. Why not like let them go a little cray cray? I thought they were going cray cray. I mean, did you not see that giant like storm that was the devil's asshole? The devil's asshole. Mm-hmm. It was funny. It was played up for jokes. Sure was. On Asgard. On Asgard, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that was funny. Yeah. Let's go to final ratings. Please. Um, yeah, you want, want me to start? go? Sure. I'll start. Uh, it's a two and a half out of mm-hmm. five for me because I did enjoy it. I'm just never probably going to really enjoy any of these movies unless it has a rockin' soundtrack all the way through. You can't just play Immigrant Song twice and call it a day. Uh, in fact, you shouldn't play it more than once. They, they, they <laughs> yeah. used up their, their yeah, entire like, licensing budget with that one song, yeah. so they had to like make it work. I guess. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I've never loved Thor the character. I mean, I don't mind him, but... Uh, what if that was his new theme song now? <laughs> Well, he is an immigrant. Oh, that's that's all the that's all the reaction that that's, most that's people really took out dumb. of that song in the trailer. Anyway, yeah, no. um, so it's like one of those things where I'm divided because I think it's funny and I think on a scene by scene basis it it pushes forward in a very watchable and compulsive way. But uh, if I truly think about any of it, it just does not really work, so to speak. So yeah. two and a half out of five. Yeah, it just yeah. falls away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that I'd have to give this, uh, I'm stuck between like a two and a half and a three. So I'm going to, I'm going to hew towards a three, a three, three out of five on this one. I did enjoy it. Um, for all the reasons that I, I cited previously, I actually do really like the fight choreography or the way that at least it's framed. I was like, I thought it made for like some very interesting, uh, 
mass fight scenes, and it was really kind of grisly to see Hela like murder the shit out of all of um, Thor's like companions, with the exception of Lady Siva because she's too she's, busy with a television show. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> she she went back to her home planet of wherever the fuck she came from. That actually might end up working in Marvel's benefit because you can bring her back now at some point. Yeah, yeah, that might be cool. Um, I did enjoy um, Thor's portrayal in this. I did enjoy. Hulk. I enjoyed the Hulk fight in it. I enjoyed Jeff Goldblum. And you know what? For as as tired as I am of Loki, like Loki, Loki's Loki. Loki's okay. I'm just I'm just not really hot on that if, character if, anymore. If used sparingly, which he's probably used more than sparingly here, but he was only supposed to be like maybe like a two film villain, like his Avengers, like Thor and Avengers. And yeah. why the fuck is he keeping coming back? Because people love him. People and like just, him. People want it. It's just like like yeah. it's like ben, Benjamin. Benedict Cumberbatch, where they want to just put it on everything. Yeah. Like, I don't oh, that that's over, by the way. Yeah. That that's that's done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, I'd give this a three out of five, and it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still give this a pretty high rating of three and a half out of five because I think this is still another very enjoyable superhero film that I will sit down and watch at any time. Uh, I will say another reason why I aired on the high side of because I was in between a three and a three and a half. Is because each time I've rewatched a Thor film, I've liked it more, and I'm I'm a big fan of Thor: The Dark World now. I actually like that more than this film, but I I, I like the Thor universe, even though this kind of diverges from that uh, quite a bit, actually. But I I like the Thor films that he's had so far. Uh, I think they've all been enjoyable. I think they've all actually been different from one another, which is something that you can't really say necessarily about all of the Captain America films and all the Iron Man films, even though Iron Man's my favorite character. Um, The Thor films, each one of them have had somewhat of a different identity, even if the first one was pretty much just a complete standard origin story. Uh, You had a different feel for each single one, and yet you've had the same, you know, character go through. Uh, We have... Thor undergoing a large transformation here where he starts as the usual Thor character and uh, he ends this film. And I guess I will agree with you, Nick, that this does have some sort of stakes in it because now thinking about it, uh, he ends the film uh, without his hammer, having short hair, missing an eye and able to shoot lightning out of his body. So, and no home. Yeah. So, I mean, this is is where the heart is. Yeah, this is all true. Um, It was definitely moving his, his story forward. um, And, I think Chris Hemsworth did another very solid job here is he's come a long way from the first film to, to where he is now. Uh, he really works well with uh, the other actors and really shows his comedy well throughout these. Um, and uh, I think actually out of all of the films, this is the film that centers the most around him. I actually think uh, and his character, because we have so much involvement with other characters in the other one. And even though I think that, they probably should have been at least somehow involved in this. Um, it's nice to really see Thor come into his own as his own Marvel character, where even in the last Avengers film, he was kind of sidelined throughout the entire movie where he was off world from the opening scene until the final battle scene. So um, I, I think this was quite enjoyable. Hey, he but... went to the club with them. Hmm? Said so he went to the club with them. Yeah, they did the the hammer thing, yeah. and then he was gone because he had to go find bye, the magical bye. pond where he would see all the infinity stones. Yeah, um, but uh, I still think this is a very solid film that just falls in the middle of the MCU somewhere, and that's 
pretty much what these are going to be from now on. So uh, three and a half out of five for me for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, if you out there have any thoughts on this or I guess any other MCU film, please don't send us anything about <laughs> Iron Man 2. Um, you can always send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Tank Show. Coming up on our next episode, we're going to do a film that's not getting a lot of publicity and probably won't be in the theater very long, but it does have a warm place in Nicholas's heart, at least the story, how the original story does. And this is the uh, current remake of Murder on the Orient Express, uh, which this is kind of falling in the same vein of... Uh, being an ensemble piece with with multiple different actors and actresses that you've probably seen before. We we wanna meet. And um, Nick, why don't you tell us and the audience a little bit about this story? Because I, I know this is one of your favorites. Well, Hercule Poirot uh, boards a train. Mm-hmm. The train is called the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. It goes from Istanbul, although at the time it was just known as Istanbul. Uh, <laughs> what? Nothing. Continue. Let's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but no, it's a very, it's maybe the most famous uh, drawing room mystery where you know you a character is set in a location in which they cannot leave, so therefore it's apparent that the killer is somewhere with among the people, and it's one of those st- stories in which most people, not everybody, but most people know the ending before they see an adaptation of it just because it's been so long and it's been so celebrated that um, I, I I don't want to listen to a single review or read a single review that has any lines that say something along the lines of, if you know the ending, you don't need to see this movie because that's not the fucking point. So yeah. anyway, uh, I'm very excited to see it. Cool. And I love... Yeah, I've, <laughs> I love it. I actually have. I I don't know the ending, so it'll be uh, definitely interesting to see what uh, what my take is, as opposed to to you who uh, yeah. have know the story pretty much. Like, like it's the funny, back of your hand. Something like this is like I'm going to see it, and the less I end up knowing about it, the more I will dislike it. Like it has to do what it has to do. And mm-hmm. the, the more closely it adheres to that, the more successful it will be. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll be talking about that on our next episode. Thank you very much for listening from Toussaint Egan, Nick Cheney, myself, Alex Diekman. We will catch up with you next time here on Film Tank. Mm-hmm.